morning and welcome to Soul Sanctuary. My name is Jordan and I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, this Sunday is Legacy Sunday. It's the last Sunday of 2020. It's the perfect opportunity for you and I, for us as a faith community, to be able to look back on the year that was, to look back and recognize Christ's faithfulness, and to also look back and question ourselves, have we been faithful to what Christ has called us to? A legacy is, is something handed down by a predecessor given down to you know to physical children and in our in our context both physical children but also spiritual children we ask ourselves what is the legacy that we are leaving behind um, I think mo most importantly at the end of a year we have this this beautiful opportunity uh, to, to look back at the year yes but then also to reorient ourselves to reorient ourselves to Christ to be able to to, 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 to set our path for the year that's coming and to have our path fixed solely on him. Our passage today, it comes from the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 10 to 13. The Apostle Paul says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. We've learned a lot of lessons in 2020. I mean, even just saying 2020 in many contexts is, is a joke, right? We, look, we, we laugh about the year that was. In, in preparation for this morning, I looked back at the Legacy Sunday 2019 sermon, so the last Sunday of last year, and uh, I had preached that sermon, and, and there was a line in there where I, where I talked about, you know, uh, uh, 2019 was great, but the good news is that 2020 is coming, you know? It's like God's going to continue to do greater things through our community in 2020. And I almost laughed a little bit. Um, I did laugh a little bit because I no, back then nobody would have seen or nobody could have seen what this year was going to become. Nobody would have forecasted that, that for like, you know, three quarters of the year we wouldn't be meeting physically together. Nobody could have imagined what 2020 was going to look like back on the last Sunday of 2019. But as I caught myself laughing and, and kind of um, mocking myself in some ways, I, I, I thought to myself, can I look back on 2020 and can I thank God for his faithfulness throughout the year? Can I identify God's faithfulness and can I thank him for it? Can I honestly do that? It seems to me that there's a number of rude moments in this life which, which awaken us to our frailty, which awaken us to our fragility and to our weaknesses. I had one of those moments this summer. Uh, my my in-laws, uh, their family cottage is out in the white shell, and the, the cottage has been in the family for about 100 years. And every so often, you know, somebody comes along and wants to build on an addition to the cottage, and it grows and it grows and it grows. And this year, uh, it was time for a new bunkhouse and uh, a deck. And so I was commissioned to, to help with, a, with, a, with the deck. Uh, but in order to make this deck happen, we had to excavate a large amount of rock and granite in the, you know, Canadian Shield and material. We had to get it out in order to make this deck level. And so my father-in-law and, and my buddy Will and I, we went off and, and we started hauling out these rocks and bailing dirt out. And uh, 
my my rude awakening moment, uh, the the uh, uh, awareness of my fragility um, came as I was excavating uh, what I thought was just a regular sized rock that we were throwing out, and so I was digging around it and and cutting out all the roots that had entangled it, and I got to this point where I was like, I just don't. This thing just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper, and I, it had to move in order for one of our deck footings uh, to be level, and and so we had to get this rock out. So I thought, you know what? I'll just take the jackhammer and and we'll just blast it away with the jackhammer, and that's exactly what I thought I'd do. And but the jackhammer, you know, on, on this rock, it's it's an electric powered jackhammer, and it's like maybe taking off a little bit of a layer. It's not cracking it the way Way that I need it to. The rock just seems to be too big. So I go back to digging by hand and hauling out all the stones around it and the dirt and bailing out bucket after bucket of dirt. But the rock just stays and it's not moving. And I try to shake it just a little bit to see if I can get it to budge and it doesn't. And, and it's been a whole morning of me working on this one project, getting this one footing level. And, and my, my, uh, um, my, <laughs> my flesh <laughs> starts arising in me. And I start getting grumpy, and I feel like I've been bested by a rock in the ground. And I actually, uh, I had to get up and let somebody else take a crack at it, because I was so frustrated getting this rock out of the ground, trying to get it to move. My mother-in-law, you know, like, lovingly, like, it's okay, honey, you know, like, try a different rock for a minute. And so, so here I was, um, upset grumpy, my attitude probably negatively affecting the attitude of everybody else working on the project because I just can't get the rock to move. My back hurt. You know, it was one of those moments where it's like, you're not as strong as you think you are, bro. And so uh, it ended up taking uh, the strength of three men, a number of steel jacks, and a number of two-by-fours for leverage as we heaved this rock up and rolled it about two feet away to where it sits today. But it took an, an insane amount of my time that morning just trying to excavate it. And it was a, a rude awakening for me. My sense of frustration when things aren't going the way that I want them to or the way that I thought they would. You know, my sense of frustration when moving and trying to excavate and, and, and move this rock, I think is a microcosm of many of our 2020s. Plenty of hard work, plenty of grit, plenty of blood, sweat, and tears, plenty of disappointment, plenty of, of, of seemingly little progress or, or seemingly little progress in general feels like we're, we're spinning our tires. You know, many of us just waiting for the year to expire and, and restart in 2021. And I, I don't know what your year has looked like. But if I were to have written a script for 2020, it wouldn't have looked like the 2020 that I just lived. Paul's letter to the Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. And Philippi is a Roman military colony uh, uh, in Macedonia. So on the far eastern side of Europe. And while it's located far from Rome, Philippi had uniquely Roman characteristics and privileges, largely settled by former Roman soldiers. The population then being fiercely loyal to Rome, with there being little room for anyone to declare, as did the Christians, that Jesus is Lord. Paul now is a prisoner in the cha- uh, at the hands of the Roman imperial authorities, right? Uh, the, Rome sees Paul as like a rabble-rouser. He shows up to Jewish synagogues, makes everybody upset because he's proclaiming Jesus. And so the Jewish uh, leaders uh, are, are upset, and so Rome, you know, is then disciplining Paul. And so he's in chains. 
And so in our text today, Paul is concluding his letter to this church. And this is what he says in verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. The letter to the Philippians is a letter of thanks. It's a letter of friendship. It's a letter of, of encouragement. You know, Paul, Paul thanks them for their friendship, for their partnership in the gospel. He also, he also encourages them and challenges them. Don't let your divisions, uh, don't, let those, don't let those little cracks become big gaps. Fix those issues among each other and unify for the, for the cause of the gospel. But nearing the end of his letter, he writes to them and he thanks them for this continued partnership. And he thanks them uh, for, for sending him provisions while he was in chains, or is in chains. So the Philippians sent one of their own, Epaphroditus, to Paul with gifts and provisions. And Epaphroditus himself ministered to Paul. It was Epaphroditus' presence that was, was encouraging for Paul as well. However, being a great distance between Philippi and Rome, it may have seemed, uh, or some of that communication, there was a gap in communication, right? This long distance correspondence and Epaphroditus, they, they had to go back and forth in order for messages to be passed back and forth. And it very well may have felt like to Paul that he had been forgotten. I think it's maybe the first century equivalent of somebody leaving your text on red, right? Uh, but it's, it's, they've seen it. They had enough cell service to receive it, but couldn't send a message in reply. And then in, finally, when they get uh, enough cell service, they send that message in reply, and then all is well. It's the same thing. It's just the first century equivalent, and you have to travel hundreds of miles. In, in verse 11, Paul says this, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, right? He's not thanking them just because he's in need. He says, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. It's like, hey, I want to thank you for the gifts that you've sent to me. I want to thank you for remembering me, for sending me Epaphroditus, for, 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 for allowing him to come minister to me. But hold up, I'm not thanking you just because I want something from you. I, I'm thanking you genuinely. Uh, earlier this, this week, Laura and I, we were wrapping Christmas presents. And as we were wrapping them, she brought up her birthday celebration from about seven or eight years ago. And uh, that year we had read the Five Love Languages book, and I had learned that one of her love languages, the way that she best receives love, was through, or, or through, through gifts, uh, through giving her physical gifts. Yeah, physical gifts. Great. Yeah, she loves gifts. And so I decided to set the bar impossibly high for myself that year. And on her birthday, instead of 12 days of Christmas, I gave her seven days of birthday. We made it a birthday week. And so every day I showed up on her doorstep or somehow arranged that she received a gift for me. Now, I was also impossibly broke as a university student. So the gifts weren't anything lavish. You know, candy, her favorite candy one day, flowers another day. But she had brought this up to me while we were wrapping Christmas presents and, and said, that was the best birthday. Jordan, that was the best birthday. And in that moment, it dawned on me. I've heard her bring up this birthday before. I've heard her bring up seven days of birthday before and talk about how awesome seven days of birthday was, but I never really put it together. What she's telling me is that, you know, seven days of birthday was great, Jordan. My birthday's coming up again in four months. Just remember how great seven days of birthday was, right? And so I opened my phone and I wrote down in my note, you know, seven days of birthday equals good idea. I finally got the point. But Paul's doing, doing the opposite here. He, he, he desperately wants the Philippians to know that, that I'm not begging you for anything. You know, your, your gifts and your provisions, thank God for them. They, they've been great for me. But I'm not just thanking you so you keep giving it. You know, I'm not just bringing it up so that, that you continue to do it for me. No, I need to let you know that I'm actually resting content. 
that no matter what my circumstances is, are my, what, whatever my circumstances are, it is okay. I've learned to be content with or without your gifts. What I have, he says, is sufficient no matter the circumstance. No matter what comes my way, I'm good. He continues, verse 12 and 13. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret, the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether having plenty or being in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. You know, Paul's like, he's like he's telling the Philippians, yo, I know what it's like to live through 2020. You know, I've had some good times. I've had some rough times. I know what it's like to have material possessions. I know what it's like to lose my job. You know, I know what it's like to have nothing. But through it all, I have learned the secret of contentment. Paul's drawing on the language of of pagan cults. You know, he's claiming he has the secret to contentment, this insider knowledge. He's got this inside scoop that nobody else has, the secret of contentment. But then Paul turns the tables a little bit. He says, uh, yes, I can do anything. In fact, everything contingent on the power, on the strength of Christ Jesus. See, the Stoic philosophers of the time, they relished in this idea of self-sufficiency. This is a virtue, being, a, being uh, uh, able to find contentment within oneself. You, you can choose how you look at the world mentality. You know, it's like, you know, 2020 has been really rough, but you can choose how you want to look at it. And you can look at it as good, or you can look at it as bad. You have that under control. This is, this is a Stoic idea of, of self-sufficiency. And here is where I could preach you a message talking about how you need to learn to be content with whatever 2020 has sent your way. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure that this would be an easy sermon for me to preach. Look at Paul, y'all. Like, he was, a, he was a good Christian. He's an apostle. He tells us to imitate him, you know, as he imitates Christ. So this is a great, great start. Be thankful for 2020. Okay, see you later. Bye. Right? No matter what the circumstance. That's fine. And, and while that might be all good and true, it's not what Paul's getting at here. It's also here where I could preach you a sermon about how you can do all things, you know? That you have the power and the ability, like Paul says in 4.13, to do everything, to do anything. And Western Christians, we love Philippians 4.13, don't we? We get it tattooed, we put it on on a bumper sticker. I can do everything. Because when we take Philippians 4.13 out of the context of this passage, we can really use it to justify some individualistic and selfish ends. Right? It's like you walk into your exams. University students, two weeks ago, you finish your exams, right? You walk into your exam and you're like, I didn't study for this, but I can do all things. Am I right? And so, so you write that exam and you're probably going to fail if you didn't study. And maybe you invoke the name of Christ. You know, I can do all things through Christ. I'm going to pass this exam. It's like a weightlifter. You know, you're going to go lift some heavy weights. But if you haven't worked up to that heavy weight that you're going to lift, it doesn't matter if you say I can do all things through Christ and then try to pick up the heavy weight you're probably going to hurt yourself. And so, so often, I think, the the name of of Christ is invoked as some sort of magical incantation, um, which is actually just serving as a guide for self-sufficiency. I can do all things, you know, like through Christ. Through Christ. I can do it. Our society echoes the ancient Stoics 
where contentment uh, is based on self-sufficiency. But for the Christian, for Paul, for you and for I, our contentment is not found within ourselves. Our contentment is found in Christ's sufficiency. I think herein lies the biggest hoax out of all the hoaxes in 2020. Perhaps it's the biggest hoax of the Western world that I can do all things, that I can sustain myself through hardship, through loss, uh, through difficulty, through mourning, through struggle, that I can, that my success and accomplishments can sustain me into next week, into next year, that what I can do will pave the way, that I, 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 I can do anything and everything, that I can do all things. Paul's message is not one that emphasizes, I can do all things. It's one that emphasizes through Christ who strengthens me. See, while I might think highly of myself and my abilities, the truth is that I can do any very little, very little, well, I may, may emphasize or, or love my, my, my strengths and abilities. Okay, so well, 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 I might uh, take pleasure in the things that I'm good at. The truth is that apart from Christ, I can do very little. Well, 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 I might like to, to flaunt my accomplishments. They all amount to vanity unless they're inspired by the Holy Spirit doing his work. You know, well, well, I might think quite highly of my natural inclinations, the things that I'm good at, my gifts, my skills, whatever, unless they are anchored in the reality of the Creator God, they are quite worthless. Every day that I live, resting content in my own abilities is a day I spend building my own kingdom. Yet every day that I give myself over to the sufficiency of Christ, recognizing that he is enough for me, is a day that I spend building his kingdom. And while my kingdom may last for a moment, his kingdom leaves an eternal legacy. In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis at length paints this beautiful picture. He says this, Your real new self, which is Christ's and also yours, and yours just because it is his. He's talking about your new life in Christ. Your real new self will not come as long as you are looking for it. It will come when you are looking for him. Does that sound strange? The same principle holds, you know, for more everyday matters. Even in social life, you'll never make a good impression on other people until you stop thinking about what sort of impression you are making. Even in literature and art, no man who bothers about originality will ever be original. Whereas if you simply try to tell the truth without caring two pence about how often it's been told before, you will, nine times out of ten, become original without ever having noticed it. The principle runs through all life, from top to bottom. Give up yourself, and you will find your real self. Lose your life, and you will save it. Submit to death, death of your ambitions and your favorite wishes every day, and death of your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being, and you will find eternal life. Keep back nothing. Nothing that you have not given away will be really yours. C.S. Lewis loved the double negative. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. 
Look for yourself, and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ, and you will find him. And with him, everything else thrown in. Look for Christ, and you will find him. And with him, everything else thrown in. If I had a dollar for every 2020 meme that I have seen this week, you know, it's been a year marked by tragedy, by sickness, by, by political division, by, by distance, by tension. A year where our collective losses have seemed to outweigh our gains. But despite what this year has looked like, are we able to look back at the year that was and thank God for his faithfulness? You know, earlier you heard Pastor Jerry outline uh, or, or outline five things worth celebrating from 2020. Generosity uh, to community building uh, to active participation within the church community despite the restrictions imposed upon us. These are some of the graces of 2020. These are some of the joys, the celebrations of 2020. You know, if you would have told anyone in leadership at Soul Sanctuary um, that this year would have looked like what it, what, what it has looked like uh, back in March, you know, if you would have highlighted these five things to us back in March and said we're still going to accomplish these, even the most faith-filled of us would have had a hard time believing it. And, and you know, we can look back at 2020 and we can, we can recognize the hardship. We can recognize the tensions. We can recognize the stress, the less than ideal situations. And we can look back with confidence and say, isn't Christ great? But if we didn't have these five things to celebrate, you know, we could look back on 2020 and we could still with confidence say, isn't Christ great? Because you and I, brother and sister, watching this, we have learned the secret of being content. Or perhaps for some of us, it's we are learning the secret of being content in whatever situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether having plenty or whether being in want. The secret is that we can do everything through him, through Christ, who gives us the strength. That when we rest in the sufficiency of Christ, we can look back at any circumstance and declare the greatness of God. That we can declare the greatness and the supremacy of Christ through it all. That he has been with us through it all. That there is always something to celebrate in the goodness of Jesus Christ. And so boiling it down, what then does it take to rest in the sufficiency of Christ? Well, what then is required of us to rest in the sufficiency of Christ? How does this thing work? Like, what do you say to the new widow who, who two days ago celebrated Christmas alone for the first time? How is she supposed to stand and sing the praises of God? You know, what about the teenager who goes to school every day behind a mask of fabric but in a shroud of depression? How are they supposed to, to rest in Christ's supremacy? Like, what... You know, on the flip side of the equation, some of you, you've had bad 2020s. Some of you have had great 2020s, right? Like, uh, what about the, the person who's, whose investments are through the roof? Uh, the, the investment broker who's made great stock picks in 2020 and has seen great returns, record profits. You know, how are they to stand and sing praises to God? 
Or what about the family then that loves being in lockdown together because they get so much quality time? You know, uh, uh, what does it look like for them to rest in Christ's supremacy, to stand before God, to sing his praises, to look back on the year that was, whether great circumstantially or poor circumstantially? Here's the truth, that our circumstances will change year in and year out. You know, some of us, we're going to have more hard knocks than others. Some of us, we're going to have it more easygoing than others. But our circumstances change year in and year out, but our God does not. You know, the fact that I can do anything is by God's grace. It's because of Christ who gives me the strength. The fact that the newly widowed can persevere through a first Christmas alone in isolation is by God's grace. You know, it's by Christ's strength that she can wake up on Boxing Day morning. You know, the fact that the depressed teenagers can, can, can get their two feet on the floor in the morning, stand up and put some clothes on, is by God's grace. It is by God's strength. The fact that the investment broker can, can make good stock picks with record gains is by God's grace. It is by grace, Christ's strength. The fact that, that a loving family can coexist in love and peace is by God's grace. It's by Christ's strength. Christ's strength then comes from the cross. It is nothing that you can do, but it is what has already been done. Just like Lewis was referring to, you know, uh, I can be because he is. You know, I can do everything, like Paul says in, in 4.13, I can do everything because he is risen. In Galatians uh, chapter 2, verse 20, uh, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Because of Jesus, he says, I am no longer the person I was before. A transformative work has taken place in my heart. Because of Jesus, I am now God's treasured possession. Because of Jesus, I can persevere through any circumstance, good or bad. Because of Jesus. The good news of the gospel then is that while you and I were still sinners, Christ died for us. Well, I was still relying on myself to see it through the, to, to, to see myself through the year. Well, I was relying on my own strength, you know, telling others that I can do it, uh, uh, running away from, from loving and, and from Christian community, isolating myself. Well, I was doing that, Christ died for me. Well, I was stuck in my sin. Well, I was stuck in my selfishness. Well, you were stuck in your sin. While you were stuck in your selfishness, Christ died for you. If we're going to leave a worthwhile legacy to our physical, to our spiritual children here in the context of the soul community, then we must come to repent of our self-sufficiency. We must come to repent of, of even believing that we can do it by ourselves. We must come to repent of how, of how great we think we are when we accomplish things. We come to repent of our pride. We, we must come uh, to repent of the moments where, where uh, we believe that God's abandoned us 
and so therefore go our own path. We must model to the next generation, to our physical, to our spiritual children, that while we can't, Christ can. We must show them what it's like uh, uh, to, to, to see that, that a life lived for, for self, I mean, don't show them what it's like to live a life lived for self, but teach them that a life lived for self ends in ruin. And that a life lived for Christ never ends. It's like Lewis said, right? We must teach them uh, that, that they'll never make a good impression until they stop thinking about what sort of impression they're making. In other words, that they must give up themselves in order to find themselves in Christ. That's the legacy that we want to leave. For every moment that we believe that we could sustain ourselves through loss, for every ounce of pride in our victory, we lay ourselves down before the cross of Christ as we come to learn to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and to lean not on our own understandings. It's by God's grace we will learn to acknowledge him in all of our ways, knowing that he will make straight our paths. Soul Sanctuary, may the legacy that we leave be one of gratitude and thankfulness no matter the circumstance. May it be one fully saturated in the reality of the grace and the sustaining, sufficient power of Jesus Christ. And it's no better time then for us to take communion together. For those of you who are followers of Christ, that you're like, yes, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, then I want to take a moment uh, to lead us in remembrance of his sacrifice as a reminder uh, of our need, our absolute need for him, a reminder of our, uh, that, that our self-sufficiency doesn't cut it, a, re a reminder that we can do everything in his strength. If you're not prepared to, to take communion with us, uh, but you want to take a moment, go to the kitchen, grab yourself a solid and a liquid. The solid represents the body of Christ broken for us. The liquid represents the blood of Christ shed for us on the cross. You know, broken for the forgiveness of our sins. The, this, this broken body then is the secret of our contentment through every circumstance in life. You know, we all come together this morning with our own 2020 story. Some of us for better, some of us for worse. But together we acknowledge the death of Jesus Christ on a cross. And we acknowledge that it's enough for us, whatever our circumstance may be. There's a, a simple and repetitive hymn, uh, and, and I love it, and, and I sing it probably too loudly regularly. My wife will attest. Uh, but it's called, uh, Give Me Jesus. It's so simple. It's so repetitive. But it's a declaration for me. The, the refrain is simple. It's, Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. It's a reminder for me that no matter what the circumstance is in life, you know, when I'm all alone, give me Jesus. In the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. When I come to die, I want nothing else more than Jesus. Give me Jesus. So let's take a moment together 
And let's repent before God for the times where we've allowed our circumstances to determine our view of God. The times where hard times led us away from his loving embrace and the times where good times have led us to pride and vanity. Father God, forgive us our sins. We remember together the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. And we are thankful. So, Soul Sanctuary, let's take a brief moment to reorient ourselves to Christ. As we move into 2020, let's refocus, let's move our hearts towards Christ. Let, let, let's begin to lean on him, allow him to bear the weight. Ensuring that, that as we move forward into a new year, we secure a legacy of faithfulness to pass down to our physical and to our spiritual children. Reading from 1 Corinthians 11. For I've received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the bread together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And that's what we've done together. We've recognized that we can't do it ourselves, but we need to rely on Christ. So Soul Sanctuary. In times of old, the one giving a blessing would extend hands, and those receiving a blessing would do likewise. If you would like a blessing this morning, would you extend hands with me? As you go, Soul Sanctuary, may you go resting in the sufficiency of Christ, knowing that through him you can do all things. May you go captivated by the wonder of grace that Christ would lay down his life for you and for me. May you look back on 2020 not with regret or dismay, but with a heart of thanks for the sustaining power of our Messiah. May God bless you at the turning of the new year, and may your months ahead be filled with the bright hope that is ours in the coming of Christ. Be blessed, go in peace, and we'll see you next week.